0: FM. Susan Hyatt is back and we are going to be talking about removing the drama from your life. We're going to talk about what creates drama, drama, sometimes we use it to ask for what we want because we don't know how to ask for what we want, how to remove it, trusting yourself, the body compass, and choosing your thoughts. I will circle back after my conversation with Susan. Thanks so much for listening. All right. Hello and welcome back, Susan Hyatt. I'm so excited to talk to you today about removing drama from your life.
1: Ain't got no time for mama drama, Corinne. It's time to talk about this today.
0: (laughs) Did you like drama in your life before?
1: You know, I I don't know that I was ever a fan of drama, but I was unwittingly creating drama um, in many different areas of my life. And, and I think it was really rooted in the fact that I was always looking externally for approval or knowledge or the right answer. And so we're raised to do that. Mm -hmm. And so when that becomes a mode of operation and you're always outside of yourself, um, looking for answers, and it feels uncomfortable inside i think it that just lends itself to um to creating drama and then going why is all this stuff always happening <laughs> mm-hmm. like why is everybody upset or why do things not work out for me and um when i started learning how to go inward for my own guidance and my own answers and started paying attention to how my body was responding to people, places, things, and topics, then all of a sudden I had less tolerance for drama and kind of figured out what was going on and how I was contributing to it, but also allowing other people's drama to seep into my life.
0: Well, do you think sometimes we, we go to, we create drama because it gives us something to do. Oh, for sure.
1: I see this all the time with my clients. Um, I think, and and sometimes with my kids, you know, I think that when you feel um, bored and unsettled and dissatisfied, um, then it can become a form of sick entertainment,
0: mm-hmm. you know? Well, and I think it can give you purpose too, because, like, as I asked you that question when we started, I said, "Did you like having drama?" And you said, "No, but you were good at creating a lot of drama mm-hmm. and And I think it's it it now all of a sudden it can prove to pe- to ourselves that see, I'm working really hard, life is just against me
1: mm-hmm. and
0: and so it's it's like a way to justify it, and the other side that I see is sometimes i've i work when I'm working with clients, they create drama. As a way to ask for what they want instead of just asking for what they want,
1: <laughs> yeah yeah for sure it's it's sort of this big explosion that happens so that that that's how they create the path for saying what they what they really want because the <clears throat> the ability to just calmly claim and own what it is they want or the issue they're having um is not is not taught to us i don't think and many times we're not given role models that that model a low drama way of life i mean if you if you look at reality television as an example <laughs> Right. Like people tune into that. They want to mm-hmm. see that. It's like a, a train wreck they can't look away from. And I think it's interesting to also see how um, what's happening in uh, television and movies and in lyrics. Then it's almost like people think that that's normal, that that's a cool way to operate in the world, to have all this stuff going on. Yeah. I know I've had to say to my teenage son, you know, life really isn't like the jackass movie. You know, people really aren't going around playing pranks on one another (laughs) to the level of what's happening on Comedy Central. And I know you think that stuff is funny, um, but that's like, where is (laughs) the groundedness and being rooted in reality? And I think we've got to teach that.
0: Well, don't you think that sometimes people have a belief that reality is boring?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do. And I think that if your reality um, revolves around obligations that you don't like and work that sucks your soul and, you know, using food, alcohol, shopping, gambling, what have you to numb feelings, then yeah, I mean reality is going to suck if that's
0: what's happening. Well, and especially when you don't know how to ask for what you want and just to say, this is what I would like, right? Mm -hmm. Because so often people, I think the drama is part of the being able to have that permission to say or validation of, see, I do deserve this. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember like, you know, I would have such a bad day and I'd say, oh, this is why I deserve to have that this third bowl of ice cream yeah you know it was the drama of it instead of getting clear about well, what's going on in my mm-hmm. life right now that mm-hmm. I'm thinking this mm-hmm.
1: yeah and and I think everyone sort of knows someone who seems to thrive off of drama and and I do think that sometimes people create drama to feel better about what's going on internally. It's a it's a reality TV distraction, you know? It's a it's a coping skill gone wrong is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Put
0: that on a t-shirt. <laughs> a coping skill gone wrong. Yes it is. Well and drama takes so much energy. It's exhausting. Mm-hmm. It,
1: oh, oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> yes, because Um, you know, I have two teenagers and (laughs) I, I have, um, really had to learn and master the skill of not jumping in to other people's business and drama. And so, you know, kids are always getting in the backseat of my car and the conversation that happens and the, and the needless, oh my God, I'm getting exhausted thinking about it. The needless drama that is cooked up over nothing is exhausting it's exhausting to listen to it's exhausting to be around and if you're a participant in it it can really suck the life out of you
0: yeah no it is very exhausting i think about that like just with uh, parents right and mm-hmm. how much drama there can be and how people we can we get, we are are drawn to it and how exhausting it can be instead of like okay well what's the situation let's take a look at this Mm -hmm. So I want to go back to something you said earlier about you had a lot of drama because you were seeking the outside approval, trying to find the right answer, all of this stuff going on the outside. Mm -hmm. And how did you remove the drama from your life?
1: So it really started, I mean, a really simple example. There may be uh, people listening who are like, well, I don't do that. But an example that comes to my mind immediately is when uh, we've lived in this home for 12 years now and uh, prior to buying it, we were living in a house that we were flipping and um, I was trying to decide if I was a city mouse or a country mouse (laughs) and there was a home for sale in town, which is the one that I bought. And um it's a house built in the twenties and it's it's a really charming part of town, but the yards are really postage stamp size yards. So it's a it's a it's a city house. And the other home I was considering uh was on five acres and you know, kind of out in the middle of nowhere, and it had its romantic appeal as well, because I have all of us have a couple of different sides to us. And instead of really going within and, and weighing that decision um, on my own guidance, what I was doing was going around my office and, and <laughs> to anybody that would listen to this, this nonsense about, am I a city mouse or a country mouse? What do you think? And no, 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 no. And like an endless amount of debate with anyone and everyone who would listen about what I should do and everyone had their opinion right everyone you know there were there were people who were like oh my gosh, you don't want to spend your weekends taking care of that yard out in the country and blah, 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 blah. And then there were people were like, oh my gosh, you know, charming area, but who wants to live that close to their neighbors? And, you know, there's crime in town and, you know, yada, yada, yada. And that may not seem like drama, but it was like, I was stirring up this debate because I wanted someone to tell me who I was. I wanted someone to tell me what I would prefer. And I think about it now and it's so ridiculous to me. (laughs) It's so, now let me back up and say, there's nothing wrong with, when you're gonna make a major life decision, talking it over with people really close to you. And sometimes talking out loud about your thoughts on a matter can be very helpful and help you sort things, but always bringing you back to your own guidance. I was doing quite another thing, which was somebody tell me and creating angst around something that could have been a very um, joyful decision to make. And uh, I think that I was doing things like that all the time because I didn't trust myself. And I think that that can be a big part of drama is a lack of trust in yourself, either to hold boundaries or to make the correct decisions in who's in your circle, that kind of thing. So the way that I got out of it was, honestly, Corinne, when I started learning about what we've talked about so many times on uh, this podcast, which is you are not your thoughts and how to direct your thoughts Uh, I feel like I solved a lot of internal drama and exhaustion when I started practicing thought work. So that was one way. Another way was, um, I'm sure you've talked about this on your podcast too before, Body Compass. Mm -hmm. Using, learning how to use my body as a guidance system, because that's what it is. We're all born with these magnificent God pods that... Give us direction twenty four seven it's free, it's with us all the time, and yet we'll get a gut instinct or our body will expand at an idea because we like it or constrict because it's something that is not right for us, and we'll go with some crazy town drama our mind has cooked up instead, so I think the top two ways. I eased drama in my life was thought work and learning how to honor the signals from my body.
0: And so what were the thoughts you had to clean up?
1: Oh my God, where do I start? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, there were so many. Um, I, I had all kinds of limiting beliefs about that I would never figure out what my right life was, that I would never figure out any kind of work that I was suited for, or that I could also be passionate about, that I was a terrible mother, that, um, I was fat and ugly, that, um, that I was really, a, I, one of the biggest weird, um, thoughts I had was that I was really a bad person and that people would figure it out. That there was something wrong with me.
0: So you know what that is. That's shame. Yes. Right. And yes. And so the good news is that you're not a sociopath because you can feel <laughs> shame. That's the good news.
1: Yes. Positive. That's a t-shirt too. Hashtag <laughs> not a sociopath. <laughs> but absolutely. I mean, it was, it was. It was nonstop nonsense in my head. And and it was so freeing for me to, to really learn. The first time I heard you are not your thoughts, you're something else, you're the person or the spirit watching thoughts happen, I swear to God, I I was like, I have won the thought lottery. Like this, my problems are over. <laughs> I just... <laughs> of course, that wasn't true. My problems weren't over, but I decreased my, I figured out why I was so tired all the time. I was wearing myself out with mental drama.
0: Hmm. So were you really open to the thought work right off the bat? Because I know I was really resistant. I was like, really? This just seems, and for one, it was, it was too easy. Mm. to be able to choose your own thoughts. And then two, it was like, really? Is this really authentic? So, I, and you know me, I'm I'm a bit more skeptical. So yes. we're...
1: <laughs> I remember our first conversation, Corinne. I remember. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, you know, for you, when you got exposed to this thought work, was it something that you were like, oh my gosh, right in like there? Or did you slowly get into it?
1: No, I really was... Uh, uh early adopter. I really was um the moment I heard it, I was like, "Wait, what?" I was sort of like, Hol- "Hold up." And then the more I sort of listened and learned about it, I was like, "Okay, I'm giving this a shot." Like, this <laughs> I am going to do this because I I experienced relief at just the consideration that it might be true. Mm-hmm. And so I actually wasn't so skeptical about it. Um, I don't know why, but I was very, um, very much someone who embraced it. And I think it may have been just that I was exhausted from believing negative things. So I so badly wanted it to be effective. And and it turned out it
0: was. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, and really. Well, you know, when you think that when we believe that we're a bad person and how many listeners out there are really believing that, mm-hmm. and that, and that's the voice of shame. Shame is I I am bad. Guilt is I did something bad.
1: Mm. Right. That's and, a brilliant distinction. Yeah.
0: So when, when we realize that, okay, we're not sociopaths because we have shame, which mm-hmm. is a good thing. Mm-hmm. And then is this message even true? Is it true that I'm bad? Is it true that I'm a terrible mother? Mm-hmm. Right. Or is it more true that, okay, sometimes I make mistakes. Right. Right. And right. it doesn't mean we're bad. It's not good or bad, right or wrong. It's in, and then, cause when we go into bad, when we go into that shame, shame, loves secrecy.
1: Yes. It's, yes.
0: And then you can't reflect, you can't grow. And then you're sitting in a fixed mindset. Mm-hmm. So it's so important to, to really identify like, oh, okay, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm thinking. And is this true for me?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it you're so spot on because part of the drama was believing, believing these things that were ruminating around in my mind and then, um, trying to hide that. So it was, um, I was fronting all the time. I was exhausting myself by, you know, people would say, you know, how are they? Great. Everything's great. You know, and, and they weren't great. Mm -hmm. And, and that was another thing I felt shameful about was that, um, I recently wrote a blog post about how gratitude can sometimes the dark side of gratis, gratitude, in my opinion, is that it can keep you stuck in tolerating something that you're over. And I, I was feeling ashamed that I wasn't more grateful for the life that I had and, And so that kept me there for a while, like, no, 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 you should just be grateful because lots of people don't have the things that you have, the family that you have, you know, the husband, the children that you have. And so it was like this catch 22. The more I increased my gratitude practice, in some ways it was wonderful, but in other ways it was like, who are you to think that you can have anything else? You need to just be grateful for this.
0: And that stops your dreaming, doesn't it? Right there. Yeah. Yeah. It stops yeah. your dreaming and it stops that believing and looking forward. And we want to grow and evolve. I mean, that that's the other side is we don't need permission to grow and evolve. Like just we, our bodies, our our minds want to grow and evolve. We don't want to just sit here and do nothing. Right. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's just the nature of being a human being. Mm-hmm. You're going to change, grow and evolve. Well, change is going to happen regardless. Hopefully, (laughs) hopefully you're going to embrace that and change and grow. But yeah, I mean, I think that um, all of those things created such internal drama for me that once I started practicing thought work and started um, paying attention to my gut instinct and my body compass, then all of a sudden I would, would notice like, huh, feel so great when I hang out with that person
0: Mm -hmm.
1: or wow, it feels really shitty to be on the phone with her and listen to her gossip. Mm -hmm. And then, so I started, um, making changes in my life to not only, um, try to stamp out the internal drama but to have boundaries around my time and energy so that I wasn't inviting drama in from other people.
0: Mm-hmm. You, you know, it's so interesting because a few weeks ago I was talking to a friend who lives in another town and really darling, darling person, but she was talking about the the gossip and, and all of that stuff. And I was just, I was astonished. I'm like, Wow. There are people out there like that because I've I've done so much cleaning up in my own life that's just not part of my day to day life. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you know, and there was like this gossip and backstabbing. I'm like, I was just astounded. I was to- literally astounded. And I forgot it was a great reminder for me that I have created this life that I have now, but I used to have a life like that. But it, because of just like what you're saying, you know, paying attention to. I remember coming home once um, from going out with some friends and I came home and i felt just dirty
1: yeah dirty yeah.
0: like physically dirty and nothing had gone on except conversation but the conversation that was happening I came home and I was and I just noticed like i and that was stuff I used to just ignore and shove down and probably why I was eating the three bowls of ice cream <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> yep but once I identified that I started to go wait is this somebody that I want to hang out with And then there'd be the thoughts of, you know, later on I would see her and run into her. And she's not a bad person. It wasn't that. It was just the things that, the way she would like to see life work. And, but later on I would get stuck in the story of, well, we should be friends because our kids have been, you know, we've been together since our kids were little. But then I would say, but Do I enjoy being with this person? Do I feel safe Mm -hmm. with this person? So really, like you talk about boundaries, you know, and it's, do I feel safe enough to be vulnerable? Has this person earned the right to hear my story? Yeah. And those are questions I had asked myself. And those are, when I think about friendships and stuff, those are the kind of boundaries that I look at as well. I don't know. What do you do?
1: Yeah, I love, I I have felt dirty as well. Like I have absolutely come home and taken a shower. Like I've (laughs) got to get this ick off of me, this energetic nastiness. Um, And so some of the questions that I started asking myself and I still ask myself is, you know, I pay attention, like how, how's my body responding here? Um, I love your question. Does this person... Um, Do I feel safe with this person? Has this person earned the right to hear my story? And those are certainly things I consider now. Um, I like to pay attention to not only do we have things in common and are we like-minded, but are we like-minded in the sense that we're wanting to support and build one another up and other Mm. women included? Or, you know, do I notice a tendency to want to tear people down? Because I really don't have any tolerance for that whatsoever anymore. Um, I also don't have a lot of tolerance for people who um, have obsessed body image drama. So let me just clarify that a big part of my work is helping women love their bodies right now. So I'm not suggesting that I don't want to help people. I do. But I'm really not interested in hanging out with someone who the conversation totally revolves around body shame, hating on themselves, or tearing down other women and mm-hmm. other people that don't fit into their idea of what beauty should be. So um, there, there are some conversation deal breakers for me Um that sort of a scarcity mindset is a no-go. Um, and just basically anything that is any kind of attitude or conversation or belief system that's that's not um, building up. I, I don't tolerate tearing down much. <laughs> I can't <laughs> I can't handle it. I can't handle it.
0: Well because it, it it triggers a lot of, um, scarcity and comparison and comparison is the thief of happiness. Right. Right. And, and so it doesn't, it doesn't create being, and then you don't feel safe. There's, there's that lack of safety.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I really, I, I love to hang with people who are creating things in their lives, who are interested and curious about the world. Um, who have a quality of, um, possibility. And, you know, I just, I don't have a rule book for people. I don't mean to suggest that, but I definitely do tend to gravitate away from people who are, um, negative, close-minded, scarcity mindset, gossipy, um, and who, who really don't have or haven't tapped into an internal guidance system.
0: Well, but it's, you know, I look at this as like, um, what, what television shows do you like to watch? Right. Who are Mm -hmm. the people that you want to surround yourself with? And it's a Mm -hmm. choice and we're not saying that it's bad or it's good, but you know, having the boundaries of who are the people that I feel good around Mm -hmm. that I go, Hey, you know, whether you're going to support me, I support you, but where we can grow and thrive in our lives Mm -hmm. versus coming home and going, I have to take a shower or (laughs) I need to eat three (laughs) bowls of ice cream.
1: Right. 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 Because this
0: feeling just feels so icky that I'm trying to push it down. I'm trying to run away from it and that, and that doesn't help anybody. So it's like, how can we contribute? And so the, the group of people that we surround ourselves with are just so important. Um, and that, and I guess, you know, as we get clear about not wanting to have drama, you know, it's so interesting because as I've moved more into my life inside myself, because just like you, I used to go around and ask people, did I make the right decision? What do you think? What do you, and these were people that I didn't even respect their opinion. Right. Right. But I was asking, cause you know, I was approval hoarding myself. I was like, let me see what they think. Well, let me see what they think. Cause, and it was, I gave their opinion more weight than my own. Mm-hmm. And, but there was so much drama. And then it was like, oh my God, there's, you know, I, there's 12 people that say yes and 13 people that say no. And which one's the right, instead of, well, what do I want? Mm-hmm. You know, what works? And I love what you said of, I'm going to give this a shot. Like that is such a growth mindset belief of, I, I'm going to give this a shot. It doesn't have to be perfect. Don't know if it's going to be right or wrong. Cause that's what stops a lot of people. And that's yeah. also what triggers a lot of drama is, am I making the right decision? Right. Yeah. Because if they don't make the right decision and don't get that aid, then everything's going to fall apart, supposedly. (laughs)
1: Right. (laughs) Hey, I mean, I I now think about, you know, everything is pretty much an experiment. And it's like, well, let's just see what happens. Let's see what happens if we try to learn webinars or let's see what happens if we start a podcast. And it's, uh, you know, the... My recovering perfectionism sometimes raises its ugly head, but I've gotten pretty good at at, uh, being all right with the B minus,
0: (laughs) not the A plus. Did you try to be A plus before?
1: Oh, my gosh. Oh, for Mm -hmm. sure. Yeah, it was, you know, I was, um, you know, I graduated from college with a 3.8 and it was years. I was still mad that it wasn't a (laughs) 4.0. I mean, how ridiculous, right? Like how, and, and now like I, I have a, um, I have a podcast coming out about it's the graduation speech that I would give if I was mm-hmm. invited to give in a commencement address. And part of it, cause I've been going to my nephew's graduations and sitting in the bleachers going, what? The speakers are like saying these things to these kids that I'm like, no. Um, but I, I, Like, hey, my honors tassels that I wore at graduation, I don't even know where they are. They're collecting dust. They have nothing to do, Mm -hmm. absolutely nothing to do with the success of today. Mm -hmm. You know, no one gives a rip about your GPA Mm -hmm. (laughs) after the age of like 23. And if they do, there's something wrong with them.
0: I just did this awesome interview. I was so excited about it with um, a gentleman who just retired from the Air Force and mm-hmm. and he's a badass fighter pilot. He's totally humble. But um, he was like a 3.2 GPA out of high school. He couldn't get into the academy uh, right out of high school. And he's always known he wanted to be a pilot. But mm-hmm. so he wound up going to the prep school. And because he was an athlete, he was a swimmer, water polo player, that, that you know they wanted him. So they said, look, go to the prep school and get your grades up and then come into the academy. Well, he also wasn't a very good cadet. You know, and he had like a two point, these are all things he talked about, but like a 2.3 GPA, he got in trouble a lot because he was like, well, I want to grow my hair a little longer. So he was called a centarium. He would have to do these punishment things. Oh, there's <laughs> like a hundred. Most people get one. A centarium is somebody that does it a hundred times. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, but he knew how to work hard, like in athletics. Like at, he said, look, athletics is one of the things that kept me in school one of my teammates depended on me and said, Look, you need to get your GPA up so, so that you can show up at the meet or that you can be at the water polo tournament. It was like, okay, there's people counting on me. And that gave him a sense of purpose. Mm-hmm. Right. And then after he graduated, he still didn't have the grades to go to pilot school. So they said, look, volunteer for a year as an assistant coach and then you'll be able to get into pilot school. And then, you know, he went up wound up becoming, you know, top winning top gun and stuff like that. But it was so interesting because as he's retired from the Air Force, he went back and he looked at you know all of his um like how he got to where he got to and he and he wouldn't even you know say that he won top gun, but uh you know he doesn't talk about his achievements, but one of the big things that he looked at was in is how did he get to where he got to well, he didn't let the things that he went through define him, mm-hmm. and then he also had this team of mentors that mm-hmm. taught him things along the way, right, mm-hmm. and it was so fascinating, and so you know, as we go through our lives, like we think that these things are so important. And it was fascinating to me because, you know, you and I both have teenagers as kids and this whole race to nowhere with academics. Oh, yeah. And I loved his story because he didn't have the best GPA, but he still got to create this career that he wanted. Was it longer? Did he have to go a road less traveled? Yes. He was at the academy for six years instead of four, mm-hmm. but he got what he wanted. You know, and he was, and he knew how to work hard and he knew how to, you know, he talked about how important debriefing was at the end of, you know, going out and doing the fighter pilot thing and coming back and being able to give feedback. Well, one of the things as an athlete is that you're constantly getting feedback, you know, and then when you're a captain of the team, you're also maybe giving feedback to your coach about what's going on with the team. So those are things that skill sets that he had to practice. So it wasn't just the classroom stuff that they needed to learn. And then he goes, "Look, honestly, I didn't really know how to study back then. You know, now mm-hmm. I know how to study, and and this is, and I'm studying now, and I understand how to study. And it's important to be a lifelong learner. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's like I think we have these pursuits, or what what we teach in the education system is it's it's so outcome driven, without with the loss of the process of why mm-hmm. we're doing this." Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that again. I mean, I think a lot of um, a lot of young people um, do what I did, which is like if you follow this checklist, if you follow these rules, (laughs) this is how you get the holy grail. And and I love that I am in an industry where I'm shown every single day that there are many rivers to the ocean, Mm -hmm. and this gentlemen you're talking about has such an inspiring story and is such a great example of that, that, you know, you can, um, you can bomb high school. (laughs) You can, Mm -hmm. and still have an amazing future and career. I see it every day. And you can also study really, really hard and do amazing as well. I'm not, I'm not down on education. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying there are, Sometimes um, there there are different paths and journeys that that we all need to take. So,
0: Well, and just not to let it define you or create drama. The other side is that like I have one of my coaches, she graduated top two in the engineering program. And we have a really good engineering school here. And there was no drama. She just decided, okay, this is how much time I'm going to allocate to school. I'm going to get it done. Boom, she was focused. She understood it. She got it done. No drama. All throughout school, never had an issue with her about, drama of school how hard it is she just got Mm -hmm. focused right and she Mm -hmm. had high grades it was i mean it was not a problem for her to get an a and a lot of times though it's that drama of oh this is going to be so hard or oh my gosh i have to go to calculus or oh this or oh that it's really simple what do you want these are the steps to get there Mm -hmm. right if you want to be a doctor this is what you need to do you know if you want to swim in college these are the steps you need to get there you know yes you have morning practice you can have drama about having morning practice or you can say okay I don't like morning practice, but I'm gonna go because I wanna have these results, period. And that's mm-hmm. just a way to eliminate the drama and not lose so much energy to it. Yes. Oh my gosh.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. I changed my major four times in college. <laughs> I still graduated on time. I was very proud of that. But again, it was a it was a symptom of not understanding my internal guidance system and, and asking, you know, listening to guidance counselors and uh, experts and other people about what I should be doing with my life.
0: Mm -hmm. Interesting. You know, it's so interesting as you say that, because there's, there were times when I was young that I was so spot on, I was so connected. And then there Mm -hmm. are times that I was so not. So when I went to college, um, you know, I did, I went to the school that my dad thought would be best. And, uh, but I didn't really like the school and I didn't really like the major. And then I was going to try to leave and try to leave. And, and then I did the one good thing is that I was able to connect with somebody and she said, you know, why do you want to leave? And I said, well, they don't have the major I, ha- I want here. And she said, well, why don't you just create your own? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you can do that. And she said, yeah. So she connected me with the people. I created my own major. Ooh. Wow. Yeah. 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 So, you know, and it was so interesting. So it was like once I got, and I remember kind of like in those first couple of years of really struggling, should I stay? Should I go? What should I do? And then once I got really clear of, okay, well, now I can create my own major. And what are the things that are important to me? What are my priorities? If I went to a new school, I'd spend more money, spend more time. You know, did I want to leave? Did I What did I want to do? And it, all of a sudden, it like it fell right into place right? Because I wasn't into all this drama of right decision, wrong decision, but being able to be grounded and say, no, I can, I can go a different path than everybody else and I can create my own major. And it's so funny because now after being faculty, you know, at a college and understanding curriculum and stuff, I'm like, oh my gosh, I created my own major at 19 and I did the same thing that faculty people do, you know, as far as having to go through curriculum review and, uh, you know, and all of that mm-hmm. stuff. <laughs> it was fascinating and I was kind of like, oh, I'm working the system. You know, but I really wasn't because I had I had to do more work than the regular student to even just get it approved, and then find people that would you know be my advisors for it. So it was really incredible. That's cool.
1: You are such a badass.
0: (laughs) Takes one to know one.
1: (laughs) I spotted. I got it. That's right.
0: So okay, so the body compass thought uh, thought work, other stuff that's helped you remove drama or that helps your clients remove drama?
1: Well, I think once, once you can learn body compass, then it's applying uh, your body compass to everything, people, places, things. And so what that ends up doing is weeding out um, people, places and things that can create drama in your life. So like we were talking about going out with people and then feeling like you needed a shower, um, the thing that I have my clients do and what I started doing was, okay, if something is getting a negative body compass reading, then, um, then you really need to decide what changes you're going to make around that. And so I started, um, you know, making changes in my social circle and, um, Making changes in activities and things that I was um, involved in. And it wasn't an overnight thing for sure. It was, you know, it's a process. So people listening, you know, something I caution my <laughs> clients on like, if, <laughs> if you get a negative gut reaction to something, it's not like, okay, you're out of my life forever, you're done. It, it, it can be a process. And a negative body compass reading is just an invitation to evaluate. And so over time, evaluating um, how you feel when you're doing your job or working with certain people or hanging out with certain people or, um, you know, even physical space, you know, how do you feel in certain environments you know, I started keeping track of things and I had a notebook that I would journal in, but I would make little notes in it like, oh, wow. Because you may be surprised. You may really be surprised when you start to really listen to your body and your thoughts. Um, things that you have been tolerating for a long time just because you thought you didn't have any other option, what will bubble up to the surface when you do start to pay attention? And so it's almost like um, taking inventory
0: Mm
1: -hmm. in your life.
0: Do you think that uh, the body compass is as effective when you have a scarcity mindset? Do I think that the... Say it again. The body compass is as effective when you have mm. a scarcity mindset?
1: Well, what's interesting is I think one can inform the other. So I think if you if you learn body compass and you're riddled with negative thinking, I think that your body, if you're paying attention to your body, it's going to clue you in to what you're thinking that is painful. So I think think it is not as easy to honor your body compass when you're riddled with negative thinking but my when i learned body compass i started questioning you know why do i feel sick to my stomach or why is my jaw so tight why are my shoulders all the way up to my earlobes as i'm sitting at my desk and then i started Tuning in to what I was thinking that was creating that physical sensation in my body. But I do think that a true body compass reading, like if I meet someone and get a gut instinct, if you haven't practiced any thought work, I do think it is harder to determine if it's, if the if the body's reaction is coming from your thought or if it's a visceral body um,
0: response to what's happening, if that makes sense. That makes total sense. Yes. And I'm, I'm glad that we have that clarity out there for the listeners. Cause I, I, I think with people that are new to the body compass, um, they, they may not know what they're reacting to, you know, and, and so to be, to work on that and the the other side, I always tell my clients, because they're like, can't you just be the fairy godmother? I'm like, no, it's not bippity boppity boo. And here you churn. You know, it's the process. You practice, you pay attention. And I love how you say that the, the negative body compass is just an invitation to evaluate. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I like, and I do, I just watch a lot. I become much more the compassionate observer where I'm watching, I'm paying attention, I'm checking in. I'm listening. I'm, I'm like you said, you keeping track, right? Keeping a tally or whatever. Like I just pay attention. And then over a period of time, I may make a decision. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, oh, this person's gone. Like that person that, you know, and I still see that person on occasion and I'll say hello, but that's not somebody I'm going to go spend an evening with anymore. Right. right. And, um, and that person's not a bad person. I just look at it as we're not a good fit and that's okay. Right. Um, hey. But it was like some over time. And then there would be times that I would get stuck in the story of, again, we should be friends because of X, Y, Z. But then I I would check back in and go, well, how do I feel with that? And Mm -hmm. um, the feeling was, you know, it didn't feel so safe. And so, but why would I do that? I would rather be home with myself and feel safe.
1: Yeah. 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 Boy, once you really take the lid off of this jar, (laughs) it can be um, a challenge for me, it is it is a Olympic feat to have a, a meal with someone who is um, prone to drama. It's, uh, my toleration for it is almost nil. <laughs> so I've come a long way.
0: Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's really interesting. But then that's also about we get the right to choose, whether it's choose mm-hmm. our thoughts, choose who we want to be around with, how do we want to spend our time. Mm-hmm. And and right there, when I think when we realize or give ourselves permission to choose, what do we want? Mm-hmm. That eliminates a lot of the drama. Instead of oh, what am I supposed to do? But I don't want to do it, and da 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 da, and I'm obligated. But what do you want to do? Period. Yep. I guess it's question mark.
1: <laughs> and that you d- and that you deserve. You absolutely deserve to honor what you want and what you like. That. It, the end of story, the, you don't have to rationalize it, explain it, understand it. Sometimes it just is, and it's okay. And like you said, it doesn't make someone bad. It just means it's not a good fit.
0: Mm-hmm. But man, does that bring out the haters?
1: Oh, yeah, girl. <laughs> hmm hmm <laughs> I I know know a little about that we'll
0: have to do a show about judgment
1: (laughs) yes that would be a fun call
0: all right so as we wrap up the show today about removing drama from your life so the things some of the things you talked about you know was we maybe we were creating drama so paying attention to that um and uh using drama as a way to ask for what you want instead of just asking for what you want um learning how to remove the drama, trusting yourself, the body compass, realizing we can choose our thoughts. Anything else you'd like to add?
1: Um I I think just one last thing that I would add is just to ask everyone who's listening to decide what feeling state do I most want to enjoy this day? I ask myself that every single day. And drama never enters the equation. You know? <laughs> so, so if you're setting the intention that, you know, I would really love to feel inspired today or productive today or, um, peaceful today, whatever that might be, then anything that is in contrast to that, whether it's your own thinking or an activity or something someone else is doing that you have the power to say, uh, uh-uh. uh, not up in here (laughs) today. Mm -hmm. We're peaceful. And I think that that can be a great, a great tool.
0: So what feeling state do you like to have?
1: Oh my gosh. My number one is inspired. That is my number one. I love feeling inspired or motivated. Um, uh, I'm
0: trying to think of what else I pick. Those are my top two. And what do you think to create those thoughts of those feelings?
1: Um, I usually think thoughts like, um, you're my, one of my favorites is you're going to feel so proud of yourself at the end of the day, once you do X, Y, Z, and I feel all motivated and inspired because I love to feel proud. Or I think something like, I can't wait to hear what people have to say or chime in about fill in the blank. So whether it's a mp3 I'm sending out or a blog post or whatever, I get inspired by other people's stories about what I send out there. So I usually ramp myself up by thinking like, oh, I can't wait. Like, I can't wait for people to see blah, blah, blah.
0: What a great thought to have as you're pushing stuff out into the world Mm -hmm. versus, oh my gosh, will they like it? Will they not? Somebody going to notice a typo? right? That's such a negative thing. And for you to say, oh my gosh, I can't wait to hear what people have to say. This is so exciting. That's yeah. such a different energy. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, Susan, thank you so much. And I'm going to get that link from you with your podcast about your, the graduation speech that you would give. So we'll have that in the show notes as well as her blog posts. So thank you so much for coming back and we'll be talking soon. All right. Thanks, Corinne. Mm, that was so good. Removing the drama in your life are you ready? I hope so. It's way better way to live life. And I love how Susan talked about one of the reasons that she had the drama was that she was looking for somebody to tell her who she was. Is that what you're looking for? But why not trust yourself? Why not ask yourself, what is it that you want? And pay attention to what is going on in your mind. And she talked about the thought model. So I want to share it here with you about doing thought work. One is just taking a look inside your brain and seeing what's going on in there. What are the thoughts that I'm thinking? What are the thoughts that I am believing? And they may not even be true. Paying attention. I loved how she talked about you are not your thoughts. You're an observer. But so often we attach or we attach to somebody else's thoughts about ourselves. But without even questioning, are they true? It becomes like this absolute fact almost. So, the thought work is paying attention to the mind, noticing that when we believe this thought, how do we feel? And when you feel that way, how do you show up in your life? What do you do? And then look at the results it creates. So, it's really important to pay attention to what do our thoughts, what are the thoughts inside of our head? And do we want to believe those thoughts? Or would we rather? believe something else. I don't know, what about you? I definitely have done a lot of work on this and worked on, you know, what is true for me, what is not true? What are things that may have been programmed? We've talked about that a lot on the show. And Carol Dweck talks about my, the mindset of your thoughts can create the results in your life. So again, it goes from what are we believing? Our thoughts, those are thoughts over and over, to how do we feel? And then Our feelings then trigger how we show up in our lives. What do you do? How do you act? And then that creates the results in our life. So if you want different results, have different thoughts. And then the other thing that's really important is sharing your story with someone who's earned the right to hear it. So when Susan and I were going around and getting opinions of other people, Remember I said there were people in there that I didn't even respect, but I was asking them. And it wasn't even, I wasn't self-aware yet to realize, okay, have they earned the right to hear my story? Because I really believed authenticity meant I shared it with everybody. But it's about sharing your story with somebody who's earned the right to hear it. And what I invite you to do is go ahead and create a list right now that way you know who those people are. Because when you're going through a hard time, we're not as resourceful. Our brain starts to shut down. So when we know what our list is, then we can go to those people. And, you know, after we've owned our story, we've paid attention to the thoughts. And usually the voice is, you're not enough. Who the hell are you? You're a fraud. Right. When you hear that voice, how do you feel? It's usually shame, which we're not so aware of, but I, which I love to talk about. And usually when we're in shame, most people act in ways of either they hide and disconnect, they move towards people and what I call approval whoring, or my personal favorite go-to is inner gladiator. You're going to mess with me, bring it on. None of that is effective. It just creates more disconnection, right? So then there becomes this evidence of, oh, see, I am not enough. People don't want to be around me or whatever it may be. And then that just becomes this shame storm. So to question our thoughts and say, okay, I'm not enough. Is that true? And maybe it's, I don't know how to cook this dish. Or maybe it's, I I don't know how to do something, but it doesn't mean that I can't learn. You know, how do you frame your thoughts? Are you framing it so it's going to bring you down and create more drama? Is that the feeling state you like to be in? Or do you want to be inspired or motivated or confident? What is that feeling state that you want to wake up with or that you want to start your day. You may not wake up with that feeling state, but to determine what is it that you want to feel that day when you get up. Do you want to be confident, motivated, determined, happy, peaceful, full of ease? What is it that you want? And you can go and create it. And then here's the other thing. It's not about being ignorant or pretending that things aren't there because throughout the day, things happen, right? Children do stuff, um, cooking dishes get maybe burned. Stuff occurs throughout the day, but do we want to choose to define our focus from those things or do we want to look at how amazing our lives are right here, right now and really looking at that and what do we want to hold on to and what do we want to attach to? The other thing I really liked, she talked about, let's just try it. Let's try it. Let's give it a go, right? And a lot of times you'll hear me say, go and experiment. It's that growth mindset, once again, Carol Dweck, that growth mindset of being willing to try something and learn. And if you make mistakes, it doesn't define you. It's giving you information. And if you want different results, what can you look at doing differently? Maybe it's about learning something. Maybe it's about seeking somebody out. Maybe it's about tweaking something. Right. So what is it that you can do to, to learn to get better the next time around? And it always takes practice. It always takes practice. I think one of the ways that we so shoot ourselves in the foot is that we think, oh, you're either talented or you're not, or you're beautiful or you're not, or you're smart or you're not. It's not black and white like that. It's practice, 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 circle back, practice, fall down, circle back and practice some more. Constantly practicing. So my question for you is, what is the feeling state that you want each day. Think about that. What is the feeling state? And does it scare you to think about having a joyful feeling or to let go of drama? Because what's going to fill that space when drama's not there? That is going to be uncomfortable. If you're used to drama and liking drama, it's going to be uncomfortable to have that open space. And you're going to want to fill it because you don't want that uncomfortable feeling. The great news is, Uncomfortable feelings do go away. So, and you can survive it. You will, and you will move through it. So, you can feel the feeling. It won't take you down. And then decide what do you want to fill that space with? What feelings take joy, happiness, love, confidence, motivation? What is it? And then think about, well, what do you need to tell yourself? What is the belief that you need to believe? Instead of, I'll never figure this out, which is a very self-defeating thought, is I'm resourceful. Right now, I may not be able to see the answer, but I know I will get this. I know I will get this. And maybe that makes you feel confident or motivated. And never lie to yourself. I'm not a big fan of fake it till you make it because I truly believe that if you live with a lot of shame gremlins in your head who like to tell you you're not enough or you're a fraud, as soon as you fake it till you make it, the shame gremlins are more than happy to say to you, see, you're a fraud. Liar, liar, pants on fire. So I think it's much better to find a belief that you do believe And remember, I always talk about small hinges can move big doors. So maybe it's not exactly the result that you want, but what's something that you can believe in? It may be a little stretch and keep practicing that and stretching that yourself. So Susan and I are inviting you to ditch the drama, practice looking at your mind, understanding how your thoughts create your feelings and then trigger how you may act or react to things and the results in your life. Pay attention to that. And I just had a great time talking with Susan, so I'm glad that she came back and I look forward to more conversations with her. And I invite you to join our community at howshereallydoesit.com. Sign up for my weekly newsletter and you can get resources there and create a life that you really love, plus some insights that I only share on the newsletter. If you like what you're hearing, please let me know by heading over to iTunes. I read every single comment and it's a fun thing for me, so it gives me a little it gives a little back back to me um, for the show. Leave a comment. I love reading them. And it's time to do a shout out to Inspire a Soul for taking the time to leave a comment on iTunes. Don't worry, there's directions on the show notes about what to click to write a review. And until next time, I'm smiling big for you. On a lake, she is dreaming. She is drifting. Never been so wide awake.